Welcome in to a Thursday edition of the Sports Huddle on SEMO ESPN Radio. 1220 AM, 93.5 FM, and you can find us online. We're at SEMOESPN.com. Eric Sean and the Missouri Sports Hall of Famer, Jess Bolin, inviting you to join us here in the huddle. Here's our EBOMD huddle hotline number 573-334-1220. 573-334-1220. The huddle hotline powered by EBO. MD and hang on, we're going to give you a chance. We're giving away two pair of tickets to see Luke Bryan's Mind of a Country Board Boy Tour with special guests Larry Fleet, Chase Matthew, and Elena Springsteen. It'll be at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater August 28th. Now, the tickets go on sale tomorrow. You can learn how to pick up tickets if you'd like to purchase them to see Luke Bryan August 28th. By going to our website, SEMOESPN.com. But if you hang on, we've got two pair of tickets to give away for the Luke Bryan concert coming up a little bit later on in the show. Hang tight for that. Jess Bolin in the house. How are things? Uh, I don't know how they could be better. Well, my voice could be better, but... Sounds a little better. I mean, that's the way it always is. It's not very good, but... Anyway, the wind's blowing pretty good outside, 15-mile-an-hour breeze. from You know where it's coming from and where it's going this time of year. From the southwest to the northeast. Oh, there she goes in right field, Capog. The wind's going to blow it an extra 30 feet. Gone. How many times do you see that happen? A lot. Yes. That's where the wind's blowing, it seemed like, every day here and uh, really good for left-handed hitters but i didn't do anything last night special um i went to church that's special but other than that i watched the movie you uh i watched a baseball movie last night okay would you guess no idea. For love of the game. All right. I watch that movie just because Vince Scully's in it. Speaking of baseball, within the last handful of minutes, the Ohio Valley Conference has released its preseason poll voted on by the head baseball coaches and communications directors in the OVC. Now, remember, there are only 10 teams that play baseball in the OVC because Tennessee State does not have a baseball program. Western Illinois will be in its first year. They're picked last. They have not been good. SEMO is picked to finish third in the OVC race. Little Rock, number one, got 12 first-place votes. Followed by Moorhead State, number two, eight first-place votes. Then the Red Hawks. UT Martin, four. Eastern Illinois, five. And then it's Tennessee Tech, six. SIUE, Southern Indiana, Lindenwood, Western Illinois. The prediction of the baseball teams and where they will finish. 
I would have been shocked if Simo wasn't top three, despite the the way they ended last season. Well, they wind up in uh, losing eleven in a row. Yeah, uh, who could have seen that coming? No one. I mean, I because they had a good ball club, wasn't great. You know, wasn't a shoe in in the tournament or anything like that, but very competitive ball club, and uh, lose eleven straight. Well, you can't imagine a team losing eleven straight any time. But a team that you know, that didn't you have late in the season a feeling that they were good enough to win the they're, conference tournament? They were in first place. And I mean, then I, yeah. all of a sudden. <clears throat> so it's difficult to understand how a team that you think might win it to go on a streak like that. But you know what? Two words. That's baseball. It really is. It's a unique game. I think it's different from any other sport in a lot of ways. You know, I talked the other day about baseball's got so many climactic moments that last a lifetime. I talk about Derek Jeter's last time at bat, getting a base hit to end the game. Roberto Clemente, his last time at bat, getting his 3,000th hit. Adam Wainwright, look at the the year he had, just awful, just awful. But his last game, he was tremendous. Got his 200th win. It seemed like baseball has got more moments like that than any sport. And you look at some of the numbers in baseball as well. Roger Maris hit his 61 home runs in 1961. The great Babe Ruth hit 714 home runs, 7-1-4. And then Nolan Ryan finished his career with 5,714 strikeouts, 7-1-4. Just some... all kinds of stuff like that. <clears throat> 511 wins for Cy Young. I don't know that the 511 goes anywhere but nobody's going to touch that so with the preseason ovc baseball poll and the red hawks will open up a week from tomorrow at dallas baptist university the ovc preseason player of the year no surprise riley priest of moorhead state a year ago priest hit 335 he had 73 hits 21 home runs and 21 stolen bases. Now, you can't quantify how many of those home runs were legit when they were hit at that ballpark that they play in, Sonny Allen Field, with the tiny, tiny dimensions from center field to the right field foul pole. But Priest is an excellent player, so he's the preseason player of the year. And last year's pitcher of the year is back. It is Jackson Wells of Little Rock. And, of course, he's the preseason pitcher of the year. SEMO has two preseason all-conference players. Their terrific right fielder, Josh Cameron, back for his final year. Cameron, preseason all-OVC, hit 304, 16 homers, 51 RBIs last year. And then the Canadian Cowboy, left-hander Hayden Dow, preseason 
all-conference pitcher. So SEMO's got two preseason all-conference guys, and we'll find out more about the Red Hawks when Coach Andy Sawyers joins us next week on the Sports Huddle, and we will preview the season and preview what's going on for the Red Hawks coming up this weekend as they go to Dallas Baptist. So some uh, some baseball news as we start the show. Yeah, and it's going to be more news each day because collegiate season, like you said, is right around the corner. And uh, I'm sure they've been practicing as much as they can. It's been pretty nice weather. Actually, it's supposed to be 60 degrees today. At this time of year, you take any day you can at 60. So I watched some college hoops last night <clears throat> prior to watching some of the Missouri game. I just can't. I just, they're just not good. Um, Auburn hosted Alabama. Auburn came in. Seven and two, Alabama eight and one, Alabama first place in the SEC, and Auburn smoked the Crimson Tide last night, ninety nine to eighty one. So big win for Auburn. That's the second loss for Alabama. Auburn's got two losses. Tennessee blew out LSU. Tennessee has two losses. So all of a sudden, you've got a stranglehold up at the top of the SEC standings in terms of the loss column. So things got a little bit tighter, but Alabama has gotten off to a great start, but Auburn, that's a rivalry. That's a really good rivalry, and I'm telling you, that place was full. Those students were into it. That was a great atmosphere for basketball. If you didn't think they had a rivalry, you should have been down there at Tuscaloosa the year that Auburn was in the same regional as SEMO, Alabama. I don't remember who the other team was. You? Florida Atlantic. Oh, I was going to say Florida International. You know that. But they're not far apart, are they? Auburn and Alabama, they're relatively close. Yeah. Uh, Just don't like each other, you know. So then it's Missouri, and they are now 0-10. In the SEC, at home, they lost by 19 points to Texas A&M, second meeting. They just met a few days ago. Missouri, one of its biggest problems, I mean, very biggest problems, is rebounding the basketball. They are just not good at rebounding. They weren't good at rebounding last year. Of the 351 Division I teams, they're 333 in rebound margin. 333. They got out rebounded 40 to 22 last night. Gave up 16 offensive rebounds. That means that Texas A&M outscored them on second chance points 15 to 5, but the Aggies did their work in the paint. Outscored Mizzou 48 to 26. And one of the things that hurts Missouri among the others, they just foul so much. They are 313th in the country in fouling. Now, Jess, you would think you'd be able to work something out here. They are a marvelous 
free throw shooting team, Mizzou. 14th best in the nation. That'd be good if you wasn't so far behind late in the game, but it doesn't mean a thing, really, when you're down by 18 or 20 points. So they're 14th best in the nation in free throw shooting, <clears throat> but they rank 310th in free throw attempts. They don't get to the line. So You know, this is not a collapse from last year. It's a total collapse. When you're across the board short in every area except one and you don't really get to really use that one that you're pretty good at the free throws it's a total collapse for missouri they were pretty good last year made the tournament they won a game in the ncaa tournament and they've got an elite recruiting class coming in so as bad as this year is, you do have something to look forward to with Coach Dennis Gates. And, it, you know, it happens to every team. I don't care who you are, whether it's big leagues or pro football, hockey, college. It doesn't matter. Even my team, summer. You'll have some times where you're really, a lot of people are leaving for one reason or other. And it's very difficult that the very next year, to be playing on the same level you were the year before. Look at Simo. That's a good example. Your top three scores. You got arguably five new starters this year. I know some of the guys started last year that, you know, a Josh Riley or some, you know, a few others got a few stars, but. Aquan Basically, Smart, I think, started smart 25 started games, yeah. yeah. But and not, Branson, but he's, he's really, not starting now. The starting five that you you know figure go out to every game and play, they don't get somebody come off the bench in the first three minutes. They they haven't had that this year. and uh, it, But it happens to every team somewhere along the way. It's tr- called transition. So, Simo's in action tonight, doubleheader, 5-15, 7-30. The Red Hawk women will be taking on Tech. And remember, Tech beat the women and the men in Cookville on January 13th. And the Red Hawk women facing Tech, who has the preseason player of the year, Malia Owens, uh, she's the best three-point shooter in the league. And in the first meeting, she hit five threes. Red Hawks are going to have to get out and keep her from being able to just shoot three-pointers tonight. And as far as the – and keep them off the free-throw line because Owens, I think she's 94% from the line. They rank second in conference play in free-throw percentage. So – Keeping them off the line and keeping Owens from just filling it up from behind the arc tonight. Big keys. And for the men, what the Red Hawks have done well, the Red Hawk men, is just in conference play, they are second best at defending the three-point arc. They rank second in three-point defense. So keeping Tennessee Tech in check from behind the arc, and they're going to want to get the ball into the paint. They are not 
uh, a really big team in the middle. So forcing them to keep the ball out of the lane. Josh Early had a big game against Tennessee Tech, season high, 20 points in the first meeting. And so Javis Harvey is there, really good player. And keeping him in check, he he had 19 points, went 8 for 8 from the free throw line in the first meeting. So it should be two competitive games tonight. Now, Tech, had you thought, here we are in the second half of the season. The two teams that played for the tournament championship last year, SEMO and Tech, right now if the season ended, neither one of them would make the tournament. They're both in ninth place at 2-8. and eight. Both of these teams, SEMO's lost four in a row, Tech has lost five in a row. These teams are going to come into this game feeling like their back's against the wall. So you're going to get a sense of urgency for both of these teams. And the women, SEMO's women are ninth. Tech is seventh. And so the Red Hawk women will come out with a sense of urgency tonight. I I think we're going to get two pretty good games. I do, too. And it couldn't be more important two games coming up tonight and two more Saturday than it is because probably, most likely, if you win these two, both teams sweep these two games, Southeast, you're not, you know, putting yourself in the playoffs, but you're really giving yourself a decent shot. And if you go one and one, you still got a shot, but it's going to get tougher because you got four of the last six on the road. So it couldn't be more important tonight and Saturday, and I think SEMO women and SEMO men know that. It's 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 must win. It's late in the season now. Well, it's not late in conference play. You've got about a little past half of the season left, but they need to win. They're playing at home. You need to win, and you need to shoot a better percentage than the other team. This is your home court. This is where you practice. This is where you play. There's too many teams come in there, Eric, and their shooting percentage is way better than Southeast. You got to shoot a better percentage, and you got to stay at least even on rebounds. And they haven't done that anywhere consistent this year. Now let's see if they can do that tonight, because in conference play, Tennessee Tech's men are dead last in rebound margin. Semo's next to last, but they are statistically the worst rebounding team in the league. So the Red Hawks. If they out-rebound Tech tonight, but let's say by five rebounds, that's not asking too much. And they shoot a better percentage from the floor. Southeast will win, I think. And they just need to do it, you know. Just do it. That's all I can say. Motivation, whatever you think you need. If you need motivation when your back's against the wall, then you need it more than someone can give it to you. So these players, I think, will come out motivated, both teams. And we don't know about a Quan Smart. Um, he rolled that ankle last game. You know, he, he? He, he got just full-body injury. I mean, he just got really banged up in the game. And Monday at the coaches' show, Coach Korn said if we had to play tonight, Aquan would not play. So he is questionable to play tonight. And with as much as the Red Hawks struggle on offense, they need 
a Quan Smart because he can provide offense. Yeah, and that's one of his strengths is speed and jumping abilities out you know out of this world a Quan Smart. But if he couldn't play Monday at noon, you make that statement he couldn't play tonight. And an ankle injury, I've had plenty of them in my life. If he plays tonight, he won't be 100%. I couldn't believe he would be. But, you know, if he's 80%, what's bad about ankle turn is you don't trust it. You know, when you come back, you just don't trust it. And you kind of defensive mode out there with your own body that um now once you get in the heat of the game then i think it helps a lot but um he's a good player southie's not nearly as good if he sets the bench the whole game or can't play or you know in street clothes he needs to be on the court he's a competitor So, again, 515, 730-ish for the men's game. Jess, baseball prospectus has an entity where they put the numbers into the hopper. And every year, everybody kind of waits to kind of look at the Pakoda projections from baseball prospectus. So, Pakoda has released its projections for all 30 Major League Baseball teams. One of the biggest surprises, and Pakoda usually angers Cardinal fans because it seems like Pakoda over the last several years has projected lower than the Cardinals' actual win total. Last year, obviously, Pakoda uh, thought they'd win more games than 71, right? So Pakoda releasing its numbers, and the number one surprise... <clears throat> As far as Pakoda is concerned, they are predicting the Cardinals will go from worst to first in the National League Central. They are projecting 86 wins for the St. Louis Cardinals, who finished 21 games behind the Milwaukee Brewers last year. So Pakoda says 86 wins. The Brewers are expected to to drop after trading Corbin Burns. We know Brandon Woodruff is likely to miss the season after arm surgery. 92 wins for the Brewers last year. Pakota projecting 79. And why is that? The Cardinals last year were dead last. And it's on the mound. The Cardinals overall ball clubs pretty good. That's why they project them higher this year. And so did I. I picked the Cardinals to win the other day with Marty on, I think. Um, And then you take the Brewers, champions of the Central Division, and drop all the way down to 70-some-odd wins. Why? Because Corbin Burns is gone and Woodruff is out, the number two. Pitching dictates everything in baseball. And the Cards... Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to me with the cards to see some of these younger guys, namely Gorman, Walker, and Mason Wynn. 
if those Gorman and Walker, I think, will be better this year. Gorman made big strides this last year, and so how much good better is he going to be this year? I think he could hit thirty, thirty-five home runs. Now Walker, you know how they squealed like a pig under a gate about his par. They wanted to send. They sent him down. Told him needs to get a loft on his swing. Just leave a guy like that alone. Big as he is, 6'5", 230, 240, the power will be there. Because he, he is a good hitter. Only get 276 last year. So that's what's going to be interesting to me. And I do think the Cardinals upgraded their starting staff. I don't think it's great. But Sonny Gray is a better number one than what they had by a mile. Don't you think last year? Who was the Cardinals' number one? I think going into the season, it was Wainwright. And then you say, well, Michaelis maybe. But they, they need the Michaelis of 2022, sure not last year's Michaelis. But that's why I predicted them to win the Central Division. And the fact I said on the show, and roll it back, the Cardinals finished first two years ago. They finished last last year. And they could jump all the way back to first this year. And I don't know if any team's ever done that. First, last, first. Because if you go to last place in your division, there's probably a lot of things wrong. It's hard to correct those in one year. But I do see the Cardinals, and it's just a guess. It's just an opinion. But they need to stay healthy. That's one thing. You can't be dropping starting pitching. Because they're not that deep. I noticed they're trying to get Thompson ready to be a starter. So Thompson or Libertor needs to come through. I think a six-man rotation would be good for the guards because of the age of their staff, people coming off, you know, sad injuries. I just think it'd be good for the Cardinals if it did have six-man rotation, but I don't think they'll go to it. But one, draw, Thompson, one drawback of a six-man rotation. You want Gray to your make as many as starts as well, yeah. but Gray, it'd be every six days. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that is one of the things. But if Thompson goes to spring training, they, they really are fixing for a starter. And he is says tremendous in spring training. Who drops out of the top five if he if he becomes a starter? So you could start out the season with a six man rotation, but then that's usually the time of year you don't need a six man rotation. Is the beginning. You remember how off, many off days there is. So the cards will be better. Will they be better to the extent I'm saying all the way to first? I don't know. The shredder. On MLB, I think it was. No, it wasn't. It was Ron Darling and whoever else was on there with him picked the Cardinals also to go first. So we'll see. I don't. The Cubs are right now to me are in La La Land. They need to have a big sign, and I'm sure it's going to be Cody Bellinger come back. But they well, do if need reports him. are accurate, Bellinger wants a 10-year deal. He's not going to get that from the no, Cubs. No, I don't, I don't think he's going to get it from anybody. He won't get it from anybody. 
All of Boris's high-profile <clears throat> clients are still out there swinging in the breeze. Well, that's normal. He doesn't mind if they miss quarter of the season. But Bellinger, the problem with him is the fear of going and reverting back to years before he came to the Cubs, how much he dropped off. And that's why he's wanting a long contract, but he's doing that for one year. He had a good year with the Cubs. Cubs are reportedly interested, obviously. I can see the Cubs going to five-year. And Cody Bellinger and Matt Chapman. <clears throat> now, they get both of those guys. Then you got oh, yeah. Patrick Wisdom as a utility guy. Yeah. So here's the write-up from baseball perspectives on the Cardinals. Just a, a snippet of it. Said true, the team signed Sonny Gray, who finished last season in the American League Cy Young Award voting. Finished second. To head up its starting five, but the Cardinals' other notable rotation additions, Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson, are both 36 years old, and they posted a collective 522 ERA last season. Fangraphs ranks the Cardinals' rotation 19th going into the season behind every NL Central team except the Pirates. So where they think that the Cardinals are going to make things up for the lack of quality starting pitching is with the lineup. Yes, And they think these young guys are going to take a step forward. Uh, the write-up I saw, uh, you don't get much of a breather in the Cardinals lineup except for Mason Wynn and he has a high ceiling and may figure it out at the big league level. Yeah, I would do uh, That's the reason I picked them go first, because their lineup, they do have a good lineup. And whether pitching good, just think, if they're ranked 19th this year, and we say it's an upgrade, I think their staff going into the season, their rotation, is an upgrade. Don't you from last year? And they ranked 19th out of 30. Well, then how, where was it at last year? Because it has probably lower than that, way lower. So their 438 winning percentage last year. In the expansion era, which is 63 seasons, that was the fourth worst winning percentage by a Cardinal team in the last 63 Years. Pakota says 86 for the Cards, 80 for the Cubs, 79 for the Brewers, 79 for the Reds, 72 for the Pirates. I don't know if the Reds are going to drop down there or, or come in there. I think the Reds are pretty good ball club. So I think the Reds might. I'd say this. The Cardinals would be my first choice to win the division. The Cubs would be number two. And the Reds would be number three, the way I would rank them. Uh, tell me your rankings. I think Cards, Cubs, Reds. And arguably, you could say Cardinals, Cubs could flip. Or the Cards could drop the third out of those three. Any one of those three could win the Central Division. Do you see it different than that? Cards, Cubs, Reds? I think the Reds are better than this year. They'd be better I gotta than see Milwaukee. What... I got to see what the Brewers have. I've got to. I've got to get a look at the Brewers. 
Now, if the Brewers would go out and sign Jordan Montgomery, that would be a big up. No, I'd like to see the Cardinals gonna, still get him. They're not going to spend money like that. That's why they traded Burns, because they weren't well, willing to spend I, that kind I, I of money. I didn't say that. So. I said if they would. If the Cardinals would sign, re-sign um, Montgomery, that would make their staff completely different. So, Pakoda in the National League, picks the Dodgers to win 102 games. The Braves to win 100. Diamond, I don't think that's very far off. Diamondbacks and Cardinals, 85-86, right in there. And then the Phillies, 85. So those are the top five Pakoda projections. You're saying they predict the Cardinals be even with the Phillies are better than the Phillies? And the Diamondbacks. No, I don't, I don't see that. I don't see the Cardinals better than the Phillies. My big deal for the Cardinals. Well, you get to play against the weakest division, and the Phillies got to deal with the Braves, and I don't know what the Mets are going to be, but you got to think they're going to be better. And the Marlins were a playoff team in the East. Yeah, but tell me who the Cardinals got that matches up with the Phillies, number one, number two on the start. I'm not day. saying that. They're just projecting well, total. No, I did. I did say it. Tell total me. Total team victory. How do the cards rack up? They're not even in the same class at number one, number two of the Phillies. And that's, that's huge. But my big deal with the cards is I really want to see. I'll bet you that Sonny Gray has a better ERA than Aaron Nola. Well, yeah, he may but, have a better ERA than Zach Wheeler. He had no, a better ERA than both <laughs> those guys last but, year. Do you think he is okay? You're starting one game for the division title or get the World Series. Zach Wheeler. Would you take Gray over Wheeler? No, no, no. And would you take? I might take him over Nola. Would you take Nola over Michaelis or? Whoever's Cardinals number two. As we sit here now, yes. Yeah. So their number one, number two is better than the cards. That's my statement. Number one is better. Number two is better on the staff that you got. Well, all Pakoda is compare number is... two to number one. Say which one's better. They wouldn't be rated number one if they weren't. All Pakoda is doing is ranking total team victories. I know, and it, all it is just an opinion. The guy. Uh, on the MLB the other night, Ron Darling predicted cards to win more like 84, 83, I think, which is, you know, just barely over 500. But the, the big thing for me is I want to see Walker, Gorman, and Wynn. I, I don't know about Wynn, how much improvement you'll see in him, but I think you might see a major improvement and Walker, and Gorman. It's always exciting to me to watch young players develop and when you don't have a clue how good they might be. So that part of the Cardinals would be my number one thing, probably watching them play, would be those three. We mentioned yesterday that Keith Law has released his top 100 prospects in baseball. I'll read the write-up. Because he saw all of Mason wins at bats at the big league level and saw him in the minor leagues. What does Keith Law think? He gets paid for this stuff. But you don't? First, 
You but, do too, don't you? Uh, no, not for watching minor league games. You don't get paid for your opinion on this show? Yeah, but I don't have well an educated opinion on Mason Wynn watching him in the minor league. You got a leagues. pretty good opinion. You saw him play probably every game in the big leagues. You taking calls? Absolutely. Let's head to the EBOMD Huddle Hotline where Mike joins us in the huddle. Good morning, Mike. Morning, guys. I'm going to throw a name out, and I, tell me if I'm in left field in this. I think Stephen Matz figured something out toward the end of the year last year. And I look for him, if he figured it out, I would say Stephen Matz could have a big year this year. I, I, I just just have that feeling. Am, am I wrong, or did did you see anything, Jess, toward the end of the year where he may have figured something out? I think I said it yesterday or the day before that the Cards had a big meeting with him and said they wanted him to be more aggressive, and he was, and he was successful till he got hurt. I agree with yeah. you, Mike, that I think things like that, I think a lot of people that project where the Cardinals are going to be that's much, much smarter than you and I and Eric, that's what they see also. There probably can be an improvement in several players, and they're on the field lineup is pretty good. If he did, and he comes back, and he he's the pitcher that he's the pitcher I think he can be with Sonny Gray as your number one. I think Stephen Match could be your number two if he comes back and is the pitcher that I really. Thought I saw him start to be last year. I think any one of those four could be number two. If you're just talking strictly stuff, pitching stuff, it's Gray one, Steven Matz two, but I've got to see yeah. it with Matz. Yeah. i got to well, see yeah. it. Yeah, I agree with you, Eric. I mean, if he comes back the way I think he can come back this year and is aggressive in the zone like they told him to be, then I think he could be your number two pitcher with Michaelis if he's right. A strong number three. I think you could have three pretty good pitchers at the top of your order right there, with Gibson and uh, Lynn. Yeah, with him, those two as as any innings eaters. I think uh, Gibson might be from last year. I think he might be more your number three over Michaelis. Really, I think Michaelis is capable, but they need the Michaelis of a couple years ago. Yes, they need the Michaelis, like like I said about Matt. They need the Michaelis that is aggressive in the zone, getting ahead of hitters. When Michaelis a couple of years ago was jumping out in front of hitters, he was un I mean, he was unhittable. He was he was a number one starter if you get right down to it, as long as he pitched ahead in 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 the in the zone, you know, pitched ahead in the count. But that's the Michaelis they need if they can turn those three guys those top three, into what they need, I think they could win 90 games this year. 90? 90. Wow. I really think so. You're getting excited there, Mike. <laughs> um, now, of course, like you said, predictions are predictions. And Now, talk to me about the middle of August when they're, you know, struggling, and then I'll say, well, I never said that. Yeah, but, but then we roll back the tape. Yeah, we'll, we'll roll it back. Uh, well, I'll come in there and, and, and steal it, and that way you can't find it. <laughs> but I really do. I, I hope Stephen Matz is the pitcher that he was toward the end last year whenever he figured it out because that could really go a long way to helping your rotation. 
and Thompson, just do they, if Match comes out strong in spring training, if he looks good, you've got Match, Michaelis, uh, Sonny Gray, Gibson, and um, I can't, I mean, Lynn, me. Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn, you've got your top five right there. Do you leave him in the minors and let him get stretched out as a starter? And I, I think you got to. I think you got to stretch out Thompson and Libertor because there will be injuries. Yeah. So do you leave them down there and not worry about them in your bullpen? I think and you, let them get stretched out. You might need one of them in the bullpen. I'm, I'm, I'm like you guys. I think those two guys are potential starters. But everybody in the Cardinals bullpen, if you look back on their early career, probably were starters. You know, Jordan right. Hicks comes up and he's late in the reliever, but he was a starter in the minor leagues. He's a starter this year. Yeah, he's yeah. back to starting. Um, but I think those two, or at least one of them, you need to really focus as a starter. But I don't know if the Cardinals got the luxury in the bullpen to have both of those guys in the minor leagues or whatever working on being a starter. You know, because both of them are pretty good coming well, out of the bullpen. How many lefties are you going to have in your bullpen? Because Romero is going to be there. Yeah, he's going to be there. Yeah, that's true. Well, they should have at least two lefties. Well, it's going to be interesting. <clears throat> I can't wait. But if you go it's, back it's last year, Mike, I think Cardinals are still uh, so impressed with the one start that Libertor had. Do you remember that one? Where yeah. it went seven innings and was just unhittable in Tampa. Yeah. Yep. But you, but one start, Jess can. Okay, I look at it maybe different. One start can be a fluke, you know, and and you can't get overexcited on one start against the Tampa Bay Ray team, which was a good team, but you can't get overly excited about that one start. No, say, you can't, oh, but, uh, be a starter. by the same token, Mike, when a guy has got a high ceiling and everybody says that about this young pitcher, everybody, and then he goes out there and he gives you a game that you say, well, that's what he's capable of doing. You can see right. why a team gets really up on the kid, you know, gets, gets to thinking, well, this kid's just around the corner. He's close. Well, then... Trade him to Texas and let him become a starter because then he'll flourish as long as you get rid of him. I mean, that's the way it goes with the Cardinals. you got guys that they get rid of that become superstars. And I don't understand that. Why can't you be a superstar in the Cardinal organization? Are there coaches holding you back? Uh, do they coach it differently? Do they not let you be yourself? Do they try to change your swing? I, that's what I don't get. You, you've gotten rid of so many people that have turned into bona fide stars that you could have kept. But they all produced in the minor leagues. Cardinals just went in another direction. Yeah, oh, Dallas, I Gar agree. Um, Garcia produced. Rosarena produced. Zach Gallen, Sandy Alcantara, they all produced. Yep. All anyway, right, Mike. Hey, all right. Guys, take care, and we'll talk later. Appreciate it. And don't forget the right fielder for the Nationals. Lane Thomas. Yes. All right. Uh, That'd be a good outfield. Wouldn't you take that outfield right now on the Cardinals? I think you would be a contender then to win 90 if you put a Rose, just put a Rosarina and Garcia in that lineup. Wow. 
We're going to take the first two callers at 334-1220 and get you set up with a pair of tickets each to see Luke Bryan's Bryant's Mind of a Country Board Tour, August 28th at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. First two callers, you each get a pair of tickets to see Luke Bryant and company. 334-1220, good luck. It's the Sports Huddle on CMO ESPN, 1220 AM, 93.5 FM, and online at com. Just give away two pair of tickets to see Luke Bryan at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater on August 28th. Congratulations to our winners, Brett Little of Millersville and Michael Weber of Whitewater. Jess, you're going to go see some. Isn't Luke Bryan the guy that sung on the Emmys? Uh, that was Luke Combs. Luke Combs, yeah. okay. Um, yeah, I've I've never went to the Hollywood Theater up in uh, Earth City, St. Louis, but my daughter has a couple times, and they say it's really great. So we were talking about Pakoda and baseball prospectus <laughs> and the preseason win totals for the major leagues. want to read you what uh, baseball prospectus fan graphs Craig Goldstein wrote about the Cardinals. He said, uh, regardless, as improved as the pitching staff may be, thanks to Sonny Gray and company, the optimism, such that 85 wins is optimism, surrounding this projection is fueled by the lineup. It features five bats projected to be 12% or more above league average. Not only do they have those five bats, but another five project to be league average to slightly above. There are no breaks throughout the lineup with the exception of perhaps Mason Wynn, who could easily show improvement after a tough start to his hitting career. With the additional breakout potential from the likes of Nolan Gorman and Jordan Walker, this is a deep, flexible lineup with lots of upside. Ne- negative Cardinal fans will be outraged by that. Jim. Yeah, now see, that's kind of the way I think on this. I think I said it the other day about their lineup. I like their, and that's why I would predict them be better because I didn't think the pitching going to be this much better. We'll see, but I do think it is an upgrade. Anytime you can get get a guy that is number one on your staff, I don't think Sonny Gray be number one on a lot of staffs, but I think he could be number one on several staffs in the in National League, and Cards are definitely one of them. I'm really, like I said, the Cards are really. Do you think Mason win if he gets it, you know, and and does what he should do, go the other way with the ball, bunt occasionally? And put the ball in play, he could be successful. And what I call success for him would be anywhere from 250 to 280. He could stay in the lineup probably with that kind of batting average. So if he's got the on base percentage, he could bat ninth or he could bat first. That's only two spots in the lineup for Mason Wynn if I had the team. If he's successful and his on-base percentage be good, I would like him leading off. Be a good man. Steal bases. A lot of speed. 
But I think he'll go into the season, of course, number nine hitter. If he doesn't completely flop in spring training. So Keith Law's 100 prospects in all of Major League Baseball, the Cardinals have three. Mason Wynn is the top prospect, number 16. Victor Scott is number 55, 23 years old. And Tink Hentz is number 73, 21 years old. I want you to... Where was where was Wynn? 16. That's pretty high. Um, and the reason he still qualifies as a prospect is this. I'll read what Keith Law wrote. Uh, Wynn reached the majors last year at age 21 and still barely qualifies for the list. One more day on the roster or nine more at-bats would have cost him his Rookie of the Year eligibility for 2024, so he is eligible. Cardinals knew that. He's an elite defender at short with an 80 arm. He registered a 100.5-mile-an-hour throw at the Futures game. That is a new stat cast record for velocity for a throw by an infielder. And here's what he says about him at the plate all throughout his career in pro ball. He has outstanding plate discipline for his age across all dimensions of that term, meaning his pitch selection, his pitch type recognition, and his ball strike recognition are all above average or better for someone who's been young at every level he's played at in pro ball. He's been the youngest player you know, at every level, and he's also a 70 runner <coughs> with an 88% success rate on 104 stolen base attempts in the minors. He has outstanding bat speed on top of that, rarely missing missing even plus fastballs. Although, in his case, his bat may be in and out of the zone too quickly for it to translate to plus power or even with high velocities. But it adds up to a pretty high floor, plus defense, high contact rate, solid to plus on-base percentages, and value on the bases, you hope for a little power. And unless his approach completely collapses in the majors, which I have a hard time imagining, he'll be at least an average regular at short for a long time. Well, that's a pretty conclusive report. I like it. Uh, that's a detailed report, don't you think? And there's more in there. I wasn't going to read it all. But Cardinals clearly have cleared the way for Mason Wynn to be their shortstop. Yeah, and I think for the cards, I know he's a hit and miss to be your regular shortstop because anytime he's in other words, he's unproven in the big leagues. So you don't know what he's going to do. He could re- regress or he could be rookie of the year. I think for the cards to win that division, they need him at shortstop. I do believe that. Now, that, that just makes a questionable position but good you know now listen to totally what i'm saying here i'm not comparing mason Wynn to ozzy smith but phenomenal defense way better throwing arm than ozzy and ozzy was not an offensive guy when he first came up might he trend the way that Ozzie Smith trended because of Ozzie's hard work and turned himself into a solid major league hitter. He's got plenty of time to do it. He's only 22 years old. 
you're going to get plus defense, added value on the bases with his foot speed, and learning how to hit big league pitching. Well, and you know Ozzy will be in spring training with the cards. And so, do you know good and well, Mason Wynn is going to be in the ear of... His ear's going to be in with Ozzy, no question about it. And if his kid is, you never know his personality. Is he receptive to criticism by Ozzy? Um, I don't know. All reports say that he is because there's no better person to learn from on that position than Ozzy Smith. And he's going to be available this spring. So... No telling how much he'll improve just by being around Ozzy for a month in spring training. You're going to get plenty of Adrian Wojnarowski today because of the NBA trade deadline. Trades are going down right now, so you'll get lots of NBA talk today. Obviously, they'll talk about the Super Bowl. Jess, uh, hello to the radiant and ravishing Dawn Sean. She is fired up about going to the SEMO doubleheader tonight. Women at 515, men at 730. You got a uh, you got a final thought for us? As always, I had my girls in Texas and Columbia, and my boys running around here in town somewhere. Um, and my little sister Neva. And I want to read this one today. The most wasted of days is the one without laughter. It is not signed. I usually, I always put the sign of who wrote it, so I guess I wrote it. But um, it sounds like something I'd say. But, you know, another thing I, I could say, and I usually do, is be kind to each other. Act like this is the last day you got on earth, and you want to be sure that people like you. So smile and wave and shake somebody's hand. I endorse it. Basketball tonight at the Show Me Center. Jess, we will see you over there. Okay, All right, we're back tomorrow. More Luke Bryant tickets tomorrow as well. Hope you enjoy the rest of your Thursday, everybody. Greeny, coming up next.